our scripture reading can we please turn to Isaiah chapter 28 verses 23 to 29 Isaiah chapter 28 verses 23 to 29 Give ear and hear my voice give attention and hear my speech does he who plows for sowing plow continually does he continually open and harrow his ground when he has leveled its surface does he not scatter dill so cumin but put in weeds in rows and barley in its proper place and emmer as the border for he is rightly instructed his god teaches him dill is not threshed with a threshing threshing sledge nor is a cart wheel rolled over cumin but dill is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod does one crush grain for bread no he does not thresh it forever when he drives his cart wheel over it with his horses he does not crush it this also comes from the lord of hosts he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom Good morning. Thank you Nigel for reading from the scripture. It's a real joy for us to learn from God's word and see how it transforms our life. You know, when we learn from God's word, it, it's easy for us to just skim through it and just pass by it, but to know that it can really transform our life, it really enlightens us. Let's sit prayerfully uh desiring god to speak to our hearts there was a dad who who made every effort uh, to ensure that his daughter does well in her academics she was good in everything else except her studies we know many of our kids are like that he hated those uh, ptms post the exams you know where the report came came out bad you know he wanted to avoid the embarrassing situation to change and you know he insisted that lily studies the well for the upcoming exam so he told him uh, told her that if you're not studying well somebody is going to get really spanking as usual lily went about overlooked her studies and just went for her exam on the day of her exam uh, her her teacher asked her so lily you going to do better for the uh, for the exam this time right <coughs> Lily paused for a moment and said, "My dad told me if I don't do well for the exam, somebody is going to really got will be getting the spanking. I'm really worried about you, teacher." <laughs> you know, of course, when it comes to discipline, we always think that think that it's 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 about others. It's nothing applies to us. We always uh, you know put it on others and things like that. God's disciplining us is a strange paradox for many of us. Though we know the truth that God can discipline us. you know when it comes to reality we are unable to grip with that because we are we are not able to understand that god is really disciplining us when such an instances come we try to rationalize with the thought that it may be uh, something else and you know uh, we struggle with the confusion that is god really disciplining us one other thing that comes to our mind is often we think uh, god's disciplining us uh, when compared to our parents disciplining us is it the right approach today we will be looking at the time together from the short passage which we read today the act of god's discipline from the book of isaiah what we read before we get into the passage i would like to give you a quick quick summary about what this book is about and the setting of this book so that we understand what we are getting at isaiah is like a miniature bible the first 39 chapters like the 39 books of the old testament deals primarily with the judgment upon the immoral and the adulterous men uh, you know primarily addressed to the people before the exile and the final 27 cha- chapters which is like the books of uh, books of new testament it contains the message of hope 
primarily addressed to the people during exile and post-exilic period. Isaiah is known as the Romans of the Old Testament. There is a reason for that because it's primary. There, are, there is a lot of emphasis on God's sovereignty and uh, reference to God's creation in throughout the book. It's like what how uh, you know Paul ad- uses the terms in uh, in the book of Romans. Another important aspect of uh, Isaiah is the introduction of or the how the Messiah is introduced, you know, uh, and its prophecies associated with is as a fulfillment of God's promise to David and Abraham. So this is the first time, you know, Messiah, the concept of Messiah is introduced in the Bible. The book of Isaiah consists of wide variety of genres. We see narrative, we see uh, oracles, we see the prophecies, we see apocalypse, we see even parables. Now, coming to the Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, uh, is um, a messenger of salvation. Uh, that, uh, his name meant uh, salvation of Yahweh or Yahweh's saved. He lived in Jerusalem and was a son of Amos. He prophesied during the four kings of Judah, uh, starting with Uzziah, Ah- Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, starting with uh, from 740 BC up to 60 to 70 years. We don't know the exact timeline. Now, regarding his personal life, little, very little known uh, things. We know very little things from the book itself or from the narrative part of the kings. Uh, but we know for sure that he was married and he had at least two children. The interesting part is both the names of his son carried a great uh, meaning to the message of what he was preaching. The first son was Shai, Shai, Bash, uh, sorry, Shai Jashu, mentioned in I, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 3, meaning a remnant shall return. And the second one is, we know the longest name in the Bible, which is Mahesh Shalal Hasbash, which meant quick, quick to plunder and swift to uh, spoil. Mentioned in Isaiah chapter 8. These two names carried a great, uh, this two names carried a constant reminder to Isaiah that the, the burden of the message he was carrying, that destruction and exile of the, his people is coming, yet there would be a remnant preserved and they will be restored back to their land. Now, coming to Prophet Isaiah's ministry, you know, uh, he prophesies to both northern as well as to the southern kingdom, that is Israel as well as to the Judah. He spoke uh, truth when uh, the people during, uh, the prophets and uh, priests during that time were corrupt and uh, were speaking lies. His, another interesting thing is that he speak of both judgment as well as the future hope. So that is that means his words had both me, uh, messages of warning as well as the encouragement at the same time. And he's called the, uh, considered the Shakespeare of Old Testament because of his eloquent writing and the high standards of vocabulary used throughout his genre. Now, coming to the, uh, coming to the Isaiah's time, uh, you know, uh, he lived during a great pol- political turmoil for the nation of Judah. I have marked the main places uh, here in the, map. Assyria was expanding the empire and attacking uh, Israel and Syria to the north. You can see that um, when Judah refused to join the coalition with uh, Israel and Syria to resist Assyria, now Judah was attacked by, by Israel and Assyria, Assyria in retaliation. So Judah was considering seriously to invite Assyria to help them to defeat these two countries, which is Israel and uh, Syria. Uh, so, uh, but I, I say I told the people not to have alliance with Assyria, but to trust in the Lord. But what they did was they went ahead uh, having the alliance with Assyria and the capital city of Samaria, Samaria uh, so Israel was fallen uh, in 722 BC and Northern Kingdom was taken into captivity. So this was a failure from the king uh, Ahaz during the time, during his time. Now, after the northern kingdom was fallen, the next hit list for the Assyrians was Judah himself. So uh, now they are looking for the help from the Egypt to uh, rescue from the Assyrians, uh, Assyrian army. Once again, Isaiah counseled the nation to trust in the Lord and not to have alliance with Egypt. 
king hezekiah heeded to the uh, isaiah's counsel and god rewarded him for that faith and uh, he had, uh, god destroyed the assyrian host uh, as we read in isaiah chapter 36 and 37 but at the at a moment of weakness as hezekiah allowed the ambassadors of babylon which were the assyrian's army to to see the you know uh, the house of treasures uh, and in a bit to win favor from the babylonians this was a failure from king hezekiah this led to the isaiah to foretell the uh, foretell that all the king's treasures and your descendants will be taken to babylon this was the first time judas judas exile was prophesied in the scripture with this prophecy as introduction in chapters 40 to 46 isaiah speaks from the viewpoint of babylonian uh, exile and foretells about the coming uh, deliverance and restoration now this is the uh, you know overview of the book of isaiah now coming to the immediate uh, context of the isaiah uh, in the chapter of 28 chapter 28 we see that from chapter 28 to 33 we see uh, six woes uttered primarily to the uh, southern kingdom of judah now coming to chapter 28 chapter 28 begins with a woe to the ephraim which is the northern kingdom of uh, israel samaria samaria was its capital uh, so uh, with a, it was it was on a prominent hill and had a strong fortification israel was very proud about that strong fortification and they had a, uh, you know they used to tell that they ne- they can never be defeated god but god because of their pride god would judge these people and it was it was about to that i uh, the samaria was about to fall and they were going to captive it's just 3 years from this time the prophecy was given that uh, you know uh, samaria was fallen now but this state was not just limited to uh, israel alone judah was also equally guilty of the same religious leaders of judah was the most guilty instead of being filled with hold the holy spirit they were filled with wine and they perverted justice and they were they were rejected the message of isaiah telling that it's a child's play now coming to the second part of the chapter 28 which we read which starts from verse 14 on it speaks of the sin of judah in rejecting the command of god rather than turning away from the sin of idolatry they added to the sin by relying on Uh, flesh and turning to egypt for alliance to uh, save them from assyrians the prophet calls this as covenant with death in verse 15 of uh, chapter 28 because they had a false security that you know egypt is going to save them from uh, from assyrians now coming to verse 16 god calls them to put the trust in the precious cornerstone which is the sure foundation so that they will not be shaken this is a prophecy regarding messiah you know we we see that peter calls that in first peter 26 now in verse 18 it continues saying that if you don't trust in this cornerstone and the promise of god and continue uh, having trust uh, having to go with alliance with egypt god is definitely going to punish them and what they thought will not going to happen is definitely going to happen to them they had a false security in verse 21 now isaiah alludes to two past instances uh, where god fought against uh, his, uh, the enemies of israelites uh, by standing with them in uh, we see that first the mount parasim the incident of mount parasim where uh, god fought for uh, fought against his philistine uh, in uh during the time of david uh, uh to defeat the enemy and second we see the valley of gideon gibeon where god uh, helped them to uh help them to fight against the five kings of canaan uh during the time of gideon now here god's work seems to be strange because the the word strange is used in verse 21 it means to say that in these two instances god worked for the uh, for them against the enemy but here god is going to use uh, use his might and power to discipline them and uh, punish them for their sins this is the uh, setting of uh, you know the passage which we read today 
Now, let's get into the, the, uh, the portion for today. So, this is an Old Testament parable, the uh, parable of plowman. There, is, there are many parables in the Old Testament. We probably uh, would have read many of them. Do you remember a parable which is linked to the, which is connected to the King David? A very famous parable. So, sorry? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, po- Prophet Nathan is uh, telling in Second Samuel 12 about a poor man's evil lab. That, uh, that time Nathan is confronted David's sin of adultery with a parable. A uh, parable was very powerful to convey that meaning in a very easy and effortless way. Uh, though, uh, and it gets attention very fast. That was the reason parable was primarily used during the Old Testament time. Now here the purpose of the parable is to encourage Judah who are going to be disciplined by God. Uh, that how they how God is going to discipline them and give them a hope in that. Now it start. Let's look at the verse twenty three. It start with Isaiah's call to the people. He uses um, four usages that meant to say meant, um, meant to mean the same thing. It says, "Give ear, hear my voice. Give attention, hear my speech." This all shows the importance and weightage of the message that is going to come in. Now, from verse 24 on, we see a setting of a farmer involved in his vocation. The first part of the parable is of sowing. In verse 24 and 25, we see that. Or the farmer is involved in the preparation of the land and sowing of the seeds. Second part of the uh, parable, which is from 26 and 27, talks about the reaping and the harvest. In this short passage itself, we see that a complete cycle of uh, a farmer's vocation is covered. Now, in the sowing of the seed, farmer goes through the first stage of preparation of the land. That involves plowing, opening and harrowing of the land, and finally leveling the surface. Preparation of land is often the most difficult and painful process of the farming. Plowing the ancient nearest is usually done with a metal pointed uh, stick which is pulled by an ox or a pair of oxen. This device broke up the the land uh, up to a depth of three inches or four inches or so. It was then necessary for the, to drag a harrow with a couple of logs and with, with a piece of metal sticking out of them over the plowed ground so that the, you know, uh, the, level, the, seed, so the ground is leveled and uh, the seed can be uh, sown. Now, from the context, it's clear, clear that God is warning the people of Judah that, about the forthcoming judgment which is going to happen to Judah by pointing out what has already happened to the northern kingdom. But people of Judah is, refu- is of Judah refuse to listen to the message and God is going to definitely punish them. So he is actually giving a hope through this parable that how he is going to discipline the people of Judah. God will discipline his children with his wisdom like how a farmer is handling the various stages of farming to get the best, uh, best crop out of the farm. Now, Isaiah is connecting a beautiful, uh, two beautiful concepts of God's wisdom and God's act of discipline as, a love, as, his, as his love towards his people. Now, the, the, the lessons we learn from the uh, thing, we'll be looking at it shortly. First, uh, we look at verse 24. We see that God's discipline is purposeful. Now, let's read verse 24. The, the, uh, does he who plow for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? The prophet, to get the, uh, the attention of his listeners, is opens with a rhetorical question. Of course, no farmers keep on plowing every day. That's not, that's not the purpose of the plowing and harrowing, as if that were the ends in themselves. Farmers does the plowing and harrowing for a particular reason, that is to sow the seed and to get the harvest. The harsh breaking up activity of plowing and harrowing is for a purpose. It is a preliminary act for the, for the planting and sowing. Continuously plowing and harrowing doesn't yield that purpose. Now, in this context, as I said, you know, people of J- Judah is going to be judged uh, to fulfill uh, God's purpose in the nation of Israel. Now, 
I want to take you back to a history. Uh, before the nation of Israel was formed as a na- national identity, when they came out of Egypt, God made a covenant with them. We see that covenant in Exodus chapter 19. I think we can read that portion. Exodus chapter 19 verse 5, it says, You shall be my treasured possession among all people. And in verse 6 it says, You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God is making a purpose statement why the, the nation of Israel exists. They were supposed to be they were supposed to be a nation of holy people. Means to say that they were to set apart from the nations around and to show that the holiness of Yahweh God. And they were supposed to mediate between God and the nations around and to bring them close to God. But we all know the history. They have failed miserably in that. In fulfilling God's purpose uh, as a nation. They intermingled with Canaanites, adopted their gods and cultures and uh, so which was diametrically opposite from what God expected of them as a nation. God warned them through many prophets about the judgment throughout the history. Now finally God used Babylon to purge the sin of idolatry out of them. Did God succeed in his purpose? Yes, absolutely. God has succeeded in his purpose in disciplining his, his people through Judah, people Judah. One interesting fact is that we don't see an explicit mention of sin of idolatry after they come back from the exile. No, that is, that is, that way God has fulfilled his purpose. God has refined and purified the nation of, the nation to have a closer walk with him. Not that they were perfect after they came back from the uh, exile. Not only the, the, the people of, uh, people was puri- uh, purified, the land also was purged from their uncleanness. Uh, we see that land enjoyed the Sabbath for 70 years, uh, 70 years, the, you know, the time they were out of that. Uh, it, it is given in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21. They didn't uh, observe the s- Sabbath uh, to the land as well. So all these things had to be cleansed, and God has succeeded in doing that. Finally, at the appointed time, Messiah came from the nation and fulfilled the promise, promise uh, to Abraham that all nations will be blessed through him. Like the nation of Israel, God has redeemed us for a purpose. Like we read in Exodus chapter 19, there is a purpose statement similar to what is given in Exodus chapter 19. Uh, we see that in 1 Peter 2.9. We all know that verse. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation and a people for his own possession. We see a similar parallel what is mentioned in Exodus chapter 19. The, the point is here is, we, if we don't keep up to the standards what God expects us to be, God will warn us through various means, maybe through the, through the messages or through various means, he will talk to us. But if he continues in the same, God will definitely going to discipline us. Why? So that, he will purge us from our impurities or the sins what we are stuck up with and teach us an important lesson and grow us into his holiness. The ultimate purpose of discipline is to be like Christ or Christ-likeness. We all are familiar with Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God's discipline is often very painful. It, it sometimes, God may take us something which is very dearer to us. It has happened to me. It sometimes makes us question his love and wisdom. While I was working on this, uh, I, heard, I was taken back to my college days. Me and my brother uh, did my school school days together. We did in the uh, similar same college, same school. We ended up in the same college, and we ended up in the same um, branch of engineering as well. So during the engineering days, I, uh, I was good in computer science by God's grace. Uh, and when the uh, when the campus recruitment came, I was very excited that you know, uh, since I was good, I could get through. I really thought like that, um, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, and my brother uh, and one one of the MNC one of the major MNC came for there for campus recruitment. 
this particular mnc was uh, you know uh, my brother already got into this particular company one year back so i thought maybe i, I may be also getting into that just like uh, i how i was for the school and college days and all those kind of things and finally the day came uh, and what has happened was uh, the written exam was there uh, i cleared the written exam and got um, and got shortlisted for the round of interview uh, this really boosted my self confidence that i am going to really get through the interviews round uh, you know i when i the finally the moment of interview came i was too excited to get into the interview thinking that i'm going to be offered that job i know you can uh, imagine the outcome of that but to my shock and my dismay i was rejected i was literally dejected to uh, know that i was rejected from that interview on my long way back i still remember i had a very long you know this the distance from the college to the best of was quite long and the long way back i couldn't even walk myself because i had to drag myself uh, to the best of the thinking about the pain i had to go through the shame i had to go through thinking you know people uh, all my friends thought that i will be getting through it so this this was a very strong failure in my life which taught me a very 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 important lesson in my life i had to go through this pain of failure to know that i had to rely on god not on my un- my own understanding i i confined myself to this next few days uh, to uh, to myself and introspect what went wrong in that i took a paper and a pen to uh to write down what god was teaching me through that failure no when god disciplines us you know it was to break my self reliance and to and to fulfill his purpose in my life he had a purpose that purpose was to break my self reliance pain and suffering is an inevitable friend uh, for in god's discipline now when this kind of failure happen it's often easy for us to say that oh it was not god's will they you know people usually say these kind of cliche statements but to ignore what god is teaching me through that pain was very very important i had to sit and introspect to know that what was that failure means to me maybe god is disciplining us and teaching us a very important lesson through the pain and suffering god has a purpose and he he will fulfill that purpose through that are we willing to understand what is his purpose through that failure next uh, god's disciplining is progressive we see the various stages of uh, kinds of seeds being um, uh, we uh, sown by on the prepared ground uh, we can read verse 25 when he has leveled its surface the seed of scattered grain so human and putting wheat rose to barley its proper place and emerged as a barley yeah so in uh, verse 25 we see farmer uh, involved uh, in sowing at least five kinds of seed during the during those days it was a mixed economy where different kinds of various kinds of uh, seeds were sowed uh, and planted and grown in the same ground but f- it's very interesting to know that farmer knows how to plant each seed according to its own character he adopts different method and place for each of the each kinds of seed it's not that one one shot works for all he scatters the dill and cumin whereas the larger seeds such as wheats and barley is placed in uh, marked in uh, placed in marked plots finally emmer or spelt which is uh, the the lower version of wheats are placed along the borders the principle here is that each of the seed has a way of sowing and most importantly it has a place of growing we need to understand that disciplining is for a season farmer to get his purpose done he has to go through the various various stages of preparation of the soil plowing harrowing leveling of the ground it doesn't make sense as we told uh, as i told you before 
to simply plow and keep the land like that. Each of the stage has to be done in a timely manner and finally sowing is done according to the season. It's not that every seed is sown on a single day. When God disciplines his people, it is progressive. His, he, uh, he disciplines us at a perfect time. He then takes us to the different stages of discipline and doesn't abandon us in the midst of his discipline. He will ensure that the discipline is for a season. We know what has happened to the Judah. When they went to exile, uh, Jeremiah has prophesied that they, they, uh, they will be in exile for 70 years. Daniel recalls that promise in his prayer in Daniel chapter 9. And we see that Ezra be, uh, quoting that in uh, chapter 1 of Ezra. It was clear to them that God will bring back them out of exile by the time God has promised. He, they knew the judgment was for a season. We have read Hebrews chapter 12 before. I'll read verse 10. For they, the earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. We can be rest assured that when God disciplines us, it's for a season it's, and it's for a reason. This gives us a great comfort in the midst of discipline. We may be asking God how long I have to persevere this pain. We may not get a clear-cut answer to that question. It only it probably only takes the time for us to learn what God wants us to teach us through that discipline. So we should be rather asking not how long. We should be asking, asking God, God, how, what do you want me to learn from this discipline? Or what do you want me to learn from this pain? There is a beautiful hymn um, written by Ira Stanfield. It's a, uh, it goes like this, I don't know about tomorrow. The chorus of it goes like this. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Even we don't know, we don't, we don't seem to understand how long we have to persevere the pain and the suffering. We know who holds tomorrow, who holds by our hand, and He will take us through for sure, and He will take us, uh, He will make sure that it's for a season. So, disciplining is for a season. Disciplining is with clear plan. As we've seen with the parable uh, we read, the land must be prepared at the right level by applying right amount of plowing. If you, if you, if you are, uh, the plowing is not at the right level. If it's too less, the seed won't go inside and the, 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 uh, it will come out of the ground. If it's too deep, that's also a problem because the, 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 the breaking of the uh, you know, ground will not happen at that level. The farmer clearly knows at what level he has to do that. And here clearly know the character and need of each of the crop. Based on that, he will, he will, uh, he will, pl- uh, he will plant the seeds accordingly. For example, if two wheat, uh, wheat seeds are planted close to each other, what happens is like when they grow up, it will tangle with each other and the reaping won't be possible. So that's the reason we see that it is placed at a particular distance on a row. Similarly, all the seeds require special attention. This requires a meticulous planning from the farmer to get best out of the seed he's planting. Now, we, we, we can very well relate to a situation which, are in, which is very prevalent in Bangalore. Maybe people who are long here can probably relate to that. We have many places we see that uh, dug up for constructions and flyovers. But we see that they, they have left it incomplete for m- many months or years together. Even though they might have had the you know, uh, approval to start the work and they had some sketch to start, there was no clear plan from them to cover all the base to complete the work. This is a sad situation we see everywhere. But when God disciplines us, it's not really for a reason and for a season, and it's with a clear plan. What does it mean? It's not just a cliche statement I'm making. It really means that he has a clear plan when, of what he is doing. We don't need to be baffled when, uh, when life ahead seems to be dark in the midst of a discipline. God has already a blueprint with us. How he need to take me through. That is a wonderful thing to know. What, he, what we need to do is simply to trust in that God's wisdom. Verse 26 uh, points us to the, that, that very important fact that 
farmer gets the knowledge and wisdom of farming from god himself it's not that one fine morning farmer got up and he got a knowledge from nowhere and started farming that's not the case they don't even have the access to the literatures and things like that to do the farming like we have it today where the where the information is readily accessible all this is meant to say that god is the author of the wisdom and what we need to simply do is we need to simply trust god's uh, plan and just discipline for us can we truly rely on god's wisdom let's move on third god's discipline is protective in the second part of the parable uh, we see 27 and 28 we already done with the plan, uh, planting uh, and we the, the scene moves to the harvesting or reaping after the sowing the farmer need to wait for a period of time to gather the crop it's not that just he, he planned one day and next day he can do that there is a waiting period for the farmer to uh, to harvest the crop and and interesting thing is he need to get prepared during that time is also not that he will be sitting idle and not doing anything he need to get ready with his instrument and he need to be Uh, prepared for that harvesting period that his barn and everything will be ready for that god uses right instrument here the focus of various uh, verse 27 and 28 let's read that verse probably if somebody can help me read that verse it would be good 27 so we see uh, at least uh, four kinds of instruments used in the harvesting uh, uh, during the harvesting period the sledge was a very heavy wooden platform which has stones sharp stones underneath it uh, which uh, which has which is uh, topped with a uh, weight and it's moved to and fro to over the wheat so that it can be used for winnowing further depending on the kind of crop different instruments are used on the uh, crop i mean crop now in the context of this chapter judah is trying to escape the invasion of assyrians by having a having a foolish act of alliance with egypt what they are not realizing was that assyrians were god's instrument to destroy uh, to invade northern kingdom and punish them for their sins what is in store for judah was not yet come and that is given in chapter 39 of isaiah that is babylonians were going to uh, punish them for their sins very interestingly assyrians uh, you know babylonians were much more wicked con- uh, nation than assyrians they were more wicked in their uh, invasions and their, they were very powerful than assyrians during that time god used the right instrument which is right foreign nation and a right procedure that is a right way of invasion so that they are protected during that time and god's in even through that god's perfect will is established through this discipline if god if any of them would have gone wrong the nation uh, israel wouldn't have been in on the face of the earth they would have been wiped out from the nation um, the, from the face of the earth but god had perfectly planned the right instrument in the right time that is the god's beauty in this <clears throat> um, when jonah went to tarshish in disobedience to god's word we see that god using at least four instruments to uh, in in to bring back jonah back on track we all know the story we don't have to turn to that first we see that uh, you know sea grew wild that was the first thing we see god is using the nature secondly we see that god is using captains and the crews to reach to donna third we see that uh, lot was put and lot was uh, came in favor of jona and finally we see god has placed a uh, big fish to swallow the uh, swallow the jona it's interesting that all of them have to work in tandem to bring back jona on track if any of them would have gone wrong probably this would not have happened that is the perfect planning of god when god disciplines us he uses the right instruments or agents for it 
in a family setting we can see that god has placed parents over us to discipline us it applies to every single children who is sitting here i must say that we must submit to our parents because that the parents are the primary agents god has placed over us to discipline us god god used the right instrument in a fam uh, in a marriage god uses our spouse to discipline us i thank god for my wife sweena she uses many things to uh, you know in a way that that corrects me uh, and disciplines me god uses uh, employ in employ uh, in employees uh, in the boss to discipline us in a in a work god may use uh, our teachers or professors to discipline us in a school setting or in a college it's interesting to know that for a believer god has his agents he placed over in various places to discipline us to cover all the bases not just one one place it covers all the bases and every stage of life even i am when i am 90 god will have its own agents to discipline me till i leave from this earth let's be aware of it and know that god has his agents everywhere and submit to those agents and know that god is the one who is placing them god uses uh, discipline in right measure now in verse 27 we already read that dill is not trashed nor cumin rolled over cartwheel but dill is beaten out with a stick that is wooden stick whereas cumin is taken out with a iron rod those are different even those grains such as wheat and barley gathered using cartwheel doing it in excess would destroy that grain so not only the right instrument must be used it has to be right it has to be used in right measure or right intensity so that the harvested crop can be useful we all are familiar with the the david sin of taking the census i want you to take to that portion in second samuel 25 uh if you can turn to that it will be great uh we see uh, david taking the census of the entire nation taking census on in and itself is not a sin we see uh, that uh, during the israelites journey to the egypt uh, sorry a promised land at least two times uh, the census was taken one at the beginning of numbers and one at the end we see that so census by itself was not wrong but what was wrong was david's mot- motive he failed to trust in god's promise and doubted god's faithfulness as god is going to multiply his people as he has promised to abraham now because of this sin god brings punishment upon the nation israel God out of his graciousness has given an option for David to choose between three uh, punishments uh, in which see that in verse 14 uh, I am in great distress second Samuel 24 verse 14 let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercy is great so then he finally chooses uh, three days of pestilence in the land during that the three days 70000 people of his men were killed that the the act of census was to know get him a self satisfaction that he had so many people what he treasured he lost most many of them during the 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 god's punishment that is a interesting fact in god's uh, judgment in regarding now what i want you to take attention is verse 16 i think we can read together that verse and when the angel stretched out his hand toward jerusalem to destroy it the lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working the destruction among the people listen to the next word it is enough now stay your hand now when it was right measure to stop the punishment he commanded his angel who was also god's agent to do so this story teaches us a great lesson that god not only uses the right instrument he ensures that discipline is administered in the right measure often we may have experienced god's pain uh, when god discipline us of pain and suffering we may uh, we may felt that is too much for us to bear but what when we realize that is the god it's god is the one who is disciplining us it's not the human agents then our perspective about discipline changes god will let us through the right measure that only what we can bear he knows exactly the breaking point and he knows exactly the threshold what we can bear 
Now, in the process of harvesting, farmer ensures that crop is not destroyed. Hence, farmer uses the right instrument in the right measure to gather the crop. Similarly, God disciplines his children is not to harm or destroy them. God ensures that the right instrument is used in the right measure so that his purposes are fulfilled. God's disciplining is protective. God's discipline, even though painful, can be persevered. <clears throat> now, finally, in verse uh, 29, prophet concludes by saying this section by saying, saying that God is the one who counsels the farmer. This we have already seen that in verse 25. Also, farmer, uh, the prophet uses that word. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in his wisdom. Now, as I said, the second time the prophet is emphasizing the fact that God is the source of all wisdom. All he means to say is that he knows why he is disciplining. He knows when he needs to discipline. He knows what he is doing. He knows how he needs to discipline us. And he knows whom he needs to engage us to discipline us. When we are disciplined by God, the reminder that God is perfect in his wisdom and he is the one who is doing that, it changes our perspective, as I said. When we fail to understand that, that is when we, we try human wisdom and try to avoid pain and suffering. Why do we do that? This is like child wanting to you know, avoid spanking by extra uh, nice to their parents when they have done something wrong. Now, there is a, a thing which my son, uh, youngest son does very often. When I'm drinking a hot tea, son, my son, youngest son, Haziel, comes to the cup and he touches the cup out of his curiosity. He is fascinated by the you know, heat he is getting out of the, the cup. When he feels the warmth of it, he just takes the hands off. Uh, as a dad, I ensure that he doesn't get hurt or anything of that sort. But God has taught me some lessons through that as well. The point here is just imagine he doesn't have a pain sensation. He just keeps on holding that cup. He will, his hand will get burnt. Leprosy is a disease where people lose the sensation of pain and ability to feel the pain. They lose their fingers and the other body parts because they have lost the sensation to their the, the, the nerve endings. This is a very dangerous strength to be in, place to be in. Pain and suffering is a gift from God to know that something is wrong in what I am doing and something needs correction. Persevering it will reap many rewards. God's discipline is in fact a promise to the God's, uh, God's believer. There is, a, uh, there is a comfort and a solemn warning we uh, read in 1 Corinthians 11.32. We read that often during Lord's table. But I want you to look at that verse and see what God wants to teach us. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we, are, we may not be condemned along with the word. There is a comfort and a warning there. As I said, comfort is that God is disciplining us disciplining us so that we will not be condemned along with the world, along with the unbelievers. The warning here is that there is a damnation for un unbelievers who are not disciplined by God. That is a serious warning. Now, if you think that God is not disciplining me, I am having all okay life, then there is something seriously need to be considered. There is something seriously need to be considered. Are you a true believer? If you are a true believer, God will definitely going to be disciplining you. So God's discipline, even though it's painful, can be persevered. Now, finally, coming to the response to God's discipline. Now, from this parable, we have learned that soil, seed, and crop yielded to the farmer and the instrument it was, it, uh, it was used on them so that the purpose of farming is fulfilled. When God disciplines us for the ultimate purpose, he expects us to yield to his discipline. I could think of at least three responses to God's discipline. First, a resigned approach. Resigned is when we respond to God's painful experience by simply having a fatalistic mindset without introspection of what has really happened to us. This often leads to self-pity self and wanting to have people to sympathize over what has happened. This this. Um, a typical response to a, uh, what we normally hear from the resigned person is, it was bound to happen. Nothing I could have done. It was out of control and all those kind of things. It was not God's will. There is nothing wrong in 
uh, knowing that it was not God's will, there is absolutely nothing wrong. But if you are doing it without the introspection that what God is wanting to teach through that, then it's, a, it's not a right approach. God wants us to know when he takes us to the painful experience that what he wants us to teach us. When we sigh a relief and resign ourselves to the, <clears throat> to the fa- feelings of fatality, that's when the enemy enjoys and has accomplished his purpose in our, his, in our life that he has failed. Second approach is a rebellion. When we respond to God's discipline with disobedience to what God's purpose in us, that, you know, by, by, by showing anger and not willing to submit to what he wants us, that's when we see the rebellion. In such cases, God may use even severe disciplinary, uh, uh, disciplinary measures to discipline us. God has warned King Zedekiah, uh, the last king of Judah, to submit to the, the Babylonian uh, invasion. And we read that in a uh, couple of times before Jeremiah 38, but in Jeremiah 38, 17, it reads, if you will sur- surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared and this city shall not be burned with fire. The message was very clear to, the, uh, to them that God is disciplining us, disciplining them. There is no point in escaping. God will definitely take them through the discipline. All, all Jeremiah was asking was, the, was asking was to trust in that God's discipline and submit to that discipline. But Zedekiah rebelled against God and he, what he did was he tried to escape. That was a foolish act. He was caught and his two, of, two of his sons were uh, killed in front of his eyes and later he was changed uh, throughout his life. His, he had a pathetic ending to his life. If any of us have, are having a rebellious attitude, attitude towards God's punishment or uh, uh, God's discipline, then it's time that we confess of that sin. And finally, repent. When we go through pain and suffering, we may not often understand why we are going through that. It's In a human way, it's not easy for us to ta- say that it may be because of this. Or Very often we may ask, is God really disciplining us? Or am I going through something because something I have done? Answer to that is quite simple. What we really need is that we, in our silence, go back to God and read God's word. And he will reveal what, what led, us, led, this to, uh, led him to this discipline. That is a, and when God uh, shows us the sin, what is, uh, what is revealed to us uh, in contemplating his, to his word, he expects us to repent of that sin. That is the perfect response God expects of us. When uh, David, David was disciplined by God, uh, we read that in Psalm 32 verse 4, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. He was talking about the, the God's painful experience of discipline. And in verse 5, we read the response of David. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgive the iniquity of my sin. That is what God expects of us. When God disciplines us for a sin, he expects us to acknowledge that and confess that sin. In conclusion, I want to read a quote from a famous Puritan reader from 17th century. God, who is infinite in wisdom and matchless in goodness, hath hoarded our troubles, yeah, many troubles to come trooping in upon our, on our side. Read, listen to the next sentence. It's mercy that every affliction is not an execution, every correction not a damnation. The more affliction, the more heart is raised heavenward. Let me read the sentence again. It's mercy that every affliction is not an execution. Every correction, not a damnation. The more affliction, the more the heart is raised heavenward. Uh, one final illustration and close it. Joni Erickson was a, uh, is an evangelical uh, author and she was very active in her athletic and she was very healthy during her childhood days. She came to the Lord uh, when she was 14 years old. She confessed that uh, she had an abundant life. She considered the abundant life of Christian as something for her own selfish gains. 
now during her high school days she had a relationship with uh, uh, relationship and started having a wayward life now sometime down the line she was convicted about that sin and she was she wanted uh, she couldn't uh, hold on to that double standard life she was uh, she was leading but she couldn't get out of it and she prayed something like this this is exactly her words god please do something in my life to turn it around because i have no power i am just too weak to say no to sin later when she and her sister went for a swim she took a dive into the shallow water she hit her head hurting her neck and damaging her spine that left her a quadriplegic and which is a paralysis of all four limbs she says deep in my heart friends i know that the accident which left me a quadriplegic was an answer to that prayer which i made before people ask me are you saying johnny that god was punishing you for your sin punishing you with a broken neck it was a good question she says my men my mind went to hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 it says the lord discipline those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son yes i believe that god was punishing me for the wrongdoing but his punishment was restorative my discipline was painful during my long days in hospital i finally repented and even thank god for rescuing me oh my goodness he rescued me from a wayward life and god god wanted me to rest, wanted to restore me now the point of the message is not to judge others when we when others go through pains or trials and decide that it's god's disciplining them that's not our job that was a failure of uh, job's friend when job was going through the trial when and they said that it's because of job's sin they turned out to be miserable comforters all pains and trials is god's is in god's discipline is not intended to handle sin but at times to stretch and broaden broaden our spiritual life only the that individual and god will be able to discern and understand that with the help of holy spirit and god's word you know so what did we learn from this short parable today god discipline his children is is an inevitable thing he does it to purge us and prune us to be like his son God is perfect in his wisdom in disciplining his children. He does it for a purpose and for a for a season. He will be with us while he is disciplining us and he will take us through that disciplining process. He does it with the right instrument in the right measure so that we are not harmed. We need to trust God's wisdom in handling us and repent of our sins. Have we experienced God's discipline in our life? How did we respond to discipline? Um, how did we respond to the discipline when god has uh, taken us through the painful experience if we have not responded in that right way god expected us to be he expect us to repent of that sin and uh, when you go back home i request if you have time take a paper and write it down what god has taught you through the discipline he has taken you through in the past i promise you if you do that it will be a great encouragement to face the discipline in the future and thank god for his faithfulness and face the future now and when we experience pain and suffering god wants us to teach us something through that so that his purpose is fulfilled yield to his discipline repent of any sin and grow in our walk with him remind ourselves that god is perfect in his wisdom leave the matter to him when he handles us may his name be glorified let's close <clears throat> heavenly father thank you for your word which is powerful and to, it's really a privilege to learn from your word and, and to know that what it teaches us lord lord thank you for your disciplining process lord lord help us to know that you are the one who is in perfect control and you are perfect in your wisdom when you discipline us lord you do do it with a purpose and you take us through that and you do with with the right intention and right measure lord we thank you for that lord help us to acknowledge when we are going through that and to repent of our sins if any of us have done anything wrong lord and when you discipline us help us to know that you are in perfect control of us lord we give you glory and honor for what you're doing in our life 
we ask all these things in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen.